Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Good morning. This is Dr. Deb Carlin and Richard Flint here on the K Factor, where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. But you know, more importantly, this is the channel for the influencers because it partners in excellence media. We actually are the news, the news that you really need to hear. It's for your life. It's for your day. It's for your mind. It's for your heart. It's for your soul. It's for your relationships. And Richard Flint and I are going to talk about all that today. This show is called, now listen, No Apologies. Because we're here to share and speak uncensored, and it's always good. There's nothing that needs censoring on this channel. So one of the things that we were talking about is Richard, he has this wonderful saying, behavior never lies. And wow, Whew, take a breath on that one. You can say whatever you want, <laughs> but your behavior <laughs> never lies. So, you know, be careful. What do you think, Richard? Well, it's interesting because I just got off one of my mentoring calls with a couple that I work with. And that was the essence of our conversation today. Really? Is, uh, the confusion that behavior is causing today. Ah. That we live in a world where there seems to be so many contradictions. So many. Uh, you know, people saying one thing, even promising one thing, and then turning around and doing something completely different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when behavior creates confusion, it also creates misconceptions, mm-hmm. and it creates uh, it creates a lack of communication. And it goes back to our word that for the last few weeks we've been we've been looking at, and that is uh, trust. Mm-hmm. Because if you say one thing and do another, which do I trust? Do I trust what you're saying or what you're doing? Well, reality is the essence of truth is not words; it's behavior. So then I have to trust your behavior. It is so challenging for us. And, and when I think about this and, and really allow myself the space to, to sit and really think about it, it's such a great way to come clean with yourself, to think about, okay, what are my observable behaviors? And, and what, are the, what are the observable outcomes of my behaviors? What, Dan, what if you had to give your own self a lie detector test? Yeah, I do. I do give myself lie detector tests. And and I think, as we talked earlier this morning, I've just kind of been, you know, sort of teetering on a funk. And, you know, when the theme of your work and your passion is about mind-body wellness and authentic holistic well-being, and you you have you have kind of eaten your way through 2020 <laughs> instead of saying and i used 2020 to get in the best physical shape ever <clears throat> that really bothers me now have i done a lot of other things that i'm really proud of that my lie detector test is positive about i've done some but my my assessment is i'm at like a uh I don't know, maybe it's three and a half (laughs) point scale of where I want to be. So what does it tell me? Well, after getting off the phone with you earlier, it kind of propelled me, you know, 
It's, it's, and, and here's the worst part of it. Okay, that's on the self. When it comes to others, oh, my gosh. How many times over the course of our life have we bought the words of others in direct contrast to their behavior? Because that's interesting. I was writing the opening this morning for uh, Saturday's virtual seminar. And, uh, developing yeah. Hang on. Uh, during the that. That, that, that's a big old loud tone. Woo. Okay, that was the yeah. alarm for everybody to listen to what you're going to say. That's right. I was writing the opening for the virtual seminar on Saturday on developing consistency. <clears throat> and one of the things that I was writing about this morning is that, you know, our life is divided, but yet it's tied together. And what ties a human life together is that life's behavior. Mm. And, you know, behavior is either designed to strengthen us or weaken us. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how, you know, we become our own worst enemy. Yeah. When, because, you know, for me, Deb, behavior is really about a personal discussion uh, between right and wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it was sort of like what you were saying earlier. We all know what's right for our life. Yeah, we do. Then we we live in a state of conscious unconsciousness. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. So uh, it's that's a statement out of my uh, my program. It's time to awaken from your coma. I need to come again. Set your phone. I'm on the air. <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, I'd like you to announce that code to everybody. I think that's only right. We're on the air. Come on. (laughs) So one of the things that that I stop and think about in the midst of that is what is it what is it in my life that are my my long-term goals, my short-term goals? You know, so I'm, I'm in the car and I'm driving. I need to keep my hands on the steering wheel and look at exactly where it is that I'm at. Can you edit this out if I give her this quote? Um, there's no editing. you got to write it down. I just muted you, but I don't want you to say it. Anyway, um, I'm going to keep talking here. For me, the the analogy is about being in a car and driving that car. And I'm going to ask you to unmute, Richard, because I muted you for a minute there. There you go. You're in a car and you're driving the car and you need to be really conscious before you get in that car about where it is that you're going. Otherwise, I know I've done this. I get in the car and I and I have I have some usual typical routines that I do and I always make my drives enjoyable. So I take the scenic route. I rarely take an expressway or a busy street. I like the scenic route. I like to relax while I'm in the car and see the beauty of my surroundings, the quintessential, the neighborhood type, and the most nature that I can possibly drink in. So I anticipate that as I'm getting in my car, I get in my car, I know where I'm headed, but I need to be, I need to be uh, changing 
my my focus repeatedly. I'm hanging on to the steering wheel. I'm aware of my surroundings. I know where I'm at and I know where I'm heading. I'm looking in the rear view mirror, you know, every five, 10 seconds as you're supposed to. Side view mirrors, always keeping vigilant about where it is that I'm at and who's around me. And I'm making progress. And I am and I am envisioning arriving at my destination. So much so that even though I'm right here right now, I can feel the arrival. You know, I'm going to be with this friend or I'm going to be at this event or I'm going to be at this park or this beach or whatever it is so that we're motivated and inspired and hopeful. But we're not we're not just dreaming it lofty. We're actually on the way and in our head being there. I think that we have to do that in life because otherwise if we're if we're so in the moment and not thinking about what's coming ahead, well then you're just sitting in the car, you're not going anywhere. If you're if you're only focused on, you know, when I lose fifty pounds, when I get a hundred grand in the bank, when I get that job, when I get that mate, and the list goes on and on, well then you're just being in lofty dreams. You have to live now what it is you actually want for your future. So that you are in that zone of constant creation to maintain it. And when is I do that. Hard, it's hard to maintain that zone? Um, intermittently. You know, you gotta you gotta stay on it. But life is life is 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 that way. I mean, it, <laughs> thank you, God, for not making us so that we had to attend to our breath in order to keep breathing because most of us would forget to take the next breath, you know, to stay on it, whatever it is, I believe, yes, is a challenge because the mind is a great traveler. It can take us all kinds of places without, you know, without hesitation. Right. Do you, do you think that um, consistency can be a real challenge for people? I do, and I and I'll tell you a couple of a couple of reasons. I remember when um, I was newly married in my twenties, and my and I and I had been athletic my whole life. But my my then husband and I were very athletic together. We'd get up every morning, go run at least seven miles, walk, and then run seven miles. So it was the first couple hours of every day, and we were very consistent about it. And I remember a couple of times <clears throat> we wake up in the morning, we're sitting there looking at each other, and I remember saying to him wouldn't it be nice if we could be in shape and all we had to do was go run once <laughs> we never we never had to do it again because the consistency unless you do things to make it part of your entertainment and refreshment and 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 what is inspiring and really healthy well you know here we go again put on the left shoe put on the right shoe tie your shoe go out the door so consistency can get monotonous unless you keep it fresh. I think that's so, a challenge. Do you think sometimes what we do is we define routine as consistency? What's the difference between routine and consistency? That's a good question. What is it? <laughs> I love doing these shows with you. This is the quiz show between Richard Flint and Zeb Carlin. How'd she do today? Audience? Give her the grade. <laughs> well, look, now hang on a second. What's the what's the difference between habit and consistency, or routine, routine and consistency? Routine and consistency. 
Well, you have to do your routine consistently. And if you want your routine to be really good, you better be consistent about practicing it. Okay. Routine to me is is repeating. Yes. Okay. Yes. And consistency to me is improvement. Oh, really? I've never thought about that. Because a routine is a plan that brings structure to my life where the structure controls my life. Okay. And then consistency is, in, in my viewpoint, is the ability to be consistent with the pathway forward. It's every day putting one foot in front of the other and making sure you're not tripping over yourself. Mm. And then that comes back to the pace of putting the one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I tri- I've tripped myself sometimes because I was, I was moving too fast. Uh, and I, you know, all of just, all of this, you know, it, Deb, it's interesting because we make life so complicated and yet life is so simple to understand. <laughs> it, it's, it's just that we don't want to listen to the simplicity because we'd rather live with conflict and confusion. I do, I do, I do. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. Tell me the simplicity of life, please. One question. What? And that is before you say yes to anything, you take a deep breath and you ask yourself, is this going to feed my confusion or strengthen my clarity? Oh, what a good idea. Say th- that question will answer anything in life. Uh, say it again. Repeat that again. Will this feed my confusion? Or strengthen my clarity. Confusion creates, contains inconsistencies. Clarity contains consistency. Mm. Uh-huh. You have to think about that. <laughs> I really do. That. Wow. If I if I did that every day. That would be amazing. Could you call me every day and ask me that question? <laughs> well, you know, and the interesting thing is, is every day when you start your day, just tell yourself, I want to seek the, the clarity and not the confusion. And then at the end of the day, you take a look at your day and you ask yourself, okay, was this a day where I was more confused or clear? Yeah. Um. This all, this you know, this all comes back to behavior. Say more. When when you look at this, all of this is tied together through the thread of behavior. I mean, confusion is behavior. Clarity is behavior. Mm. So the the thread that holds all this together, or tears it all apart, is the strength of behavior. I'll tell you what my intervening variable is. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I am realizing yet again, and I've gone through this in phases throughout 2020 uh, with people who are um, all over the place in terms of politics and this virus and everything, and people who have gotten so emotional about it that they've abandoned their intellectual process and they just are amped up 
and and I mean I've 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 distanced myself from some people, and I've had some people distance themselves from me, and and I have found that actually, and I mean in order for me to distance myself from somebody, they've got to be pretty outrageous, you know, like screaming and you know bad words and just really horrible statements out of their mouth verbally or written on social media or something. Um, cause I don't want, I don't want that coming into my brain. I, I will decide what comes into my mind just like I decide what comes into my mouth. I, and I resent when people put things into my, into my presence that are so vulgar that then they're imprinted into my mind. I mean, you don't forget anything. The mind really doesn't forget anything. You can flip it around, but you don't forget anything. And so I have found yet again in in this year another wave of people, it, this month in February, of people who are just um, vile. And, you know, I think to myself – what is it that I'm doing that's inviting? What is it in my behavior that I am inviting people to think that they can present this way? And then I think, well, it's not me. I'm not doing that behavior, but somehow I'm caught off guard when people do and say some of the things that they do and say. So for me, in terms of that, is it clarity or is it confusion um, I'm heading down a path. I feel very productive and, and very, um, protective, but I feel like I need to amp it up another notch. And, you know, I'm sitting and I'm making some notes as you, you talk. Yeah. And to me, when one abandons their intellectual property, <clears throat> They lose the structure of the mind. When one abandons their intellectual, their intellectual property. property, are their intellectual beliefs, are their intellectual foundation. Mm. They, what they do is they scatter their life. You know what? And that's exactly what just happened to me. I had I had somebody actually uh, share with me something about my intellectual property that was incredibly offensive. And it was as though somebody had stolen my intellectual property, put it in their spin cycle and, and presented it as though it was mine. And I just was horrified, horrified. And, and I've had that done to me. People steal my research. Yeah. uh, Repackage it, but they repackage it. Uh, as if it's theirs. Right. Um, but anybody that knows me and knows my research picks up on that. Yeah. And, and why not give credit where credit is due? Mm-hmm. Because that person, those persons would benefit from an affiliation with you. And by coming clean and saying, you know what I love that you do is this. I'd really like to do that too. And, and figure out a way that it's a win-win for both parties. But some people don't want to admit that other people are smarter than they are. <laughs> well, let me say here publicly, I love the Richard Flynn Morning <laughs> Minute. And, and even though I had I had done Morning Minutes previously called Deb's Diamonds or something, I had a team that came up with this, you know, my nuggets of wisdom for the day. We never did them. 
we, we were doing them as text messages. We never did them the Richard Flint way, which is if you don't already, if you don't already have this, I advise you to sign up for it. Go to richardflint.com and sign up for the morning minutes. And every morning, there you have it. This man sitting there with a cup of coffee talking to you, and he says something to the effect of, listen to this. <laughs> and it's great. And 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 so I've talked to you about I want to do those. You're ahead you're ahead of the game with me. You've been doing it for how long? Twelve years. Yeah. Wow. That three, is like, that's three hundred and sixty five philosophies a year times twelve. You know how, how challenging it is to keep coming up with new ones? Well, you know what? You're really good at it. You're consistent in your routine, aren't you? I am consistently consistent. <laughs> That's beautiful. So The other thing that you were talking about is, you know, uh, I think what's happening to a lot of people today is that um, their, their behavior – I think most people's behavior is structured to repeat, not to improve. Okay. Oh, very good. Okay. And then what that does, it puts them into the routine of sameness. Mm. And as long as they can live in that routine of sameness, to them, their life is good. They don't understand how how repeating and not improving actually takes you backwards. And causes you to miss life. And then all of a sudden, something like uh, this COVID-19 comes along. And one of the things it does is it shakes up routine. Oh, my gosh. And, you, you know, you and I have both been here. Let something come along without my permission and upset my routine that I have established and I've worked years for my life. And do you know that the, probably the first initial reaction is anger? Mm-hmm. You know, why did this have to happen to me? Why, you know, we, man, my life is going along so good. Why in the hell does something like this have to upset my life right now? Because most of us are not adaptable. Yeah. We talk about being adaptable, but we're adaptable in, until it comes to adapting. <laughs> Once again, behavior never lies. Yeah, that's really and, true. Everything, everything, Deb, everything comes back to a person's behavior. You want to know one of the things that, that is really, I mean, I, uh, this show is so healthy for me today. I hope our audience is getting something out of it. <laughs> because one of the things that we really need to pay attention to is the behavior, not just our own behavior, but the behavior of others. And quit giving people slack or or making a story for other people for their behavior. Your behavior tells everybody everything about you. And if your behavior is incongruent with what you've said, or if your behavior is congruent and you're just a, you know, a terrible person or you're irresponsible or you're mean-spirited or you're unkind, well, then, then you are. Or you're pathological. Then you just are. You just are. And, 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 and I, I, for one, I need to close the door. Get out of here. 
You can't come in. I I opened up the door, but now, oh, look over there. <laughs> Boom, close the door. Hurry up. There's a lot of people out here in the world who are really, um, I think right now, more desperate than ever. Because their life has been, their life has been, uh, has been shaken. Their, the, what was structure for their life has now turned into an earthquake. Yeah. And, the, you know, the thing about a routine is most people feel routine gives you stability. And, you know, in one way it does, but in another way it doesn't. It gives you stability in sameness, but it doesn't give you stability in growth. Yeah. And, you know, I, I found over the years that two things most people are looking for, they're looking for safety and stability. And as long as they feel safe, they, they can believe that stability is right. But if you take them out of that routine, then they don't feel safe anymore. Say the first part of that, about the part that's right. If this, then it's right. Well, I don't remember what I said. <laughs> One of us should pay attention. <laughs> well, but, you know, as long as I feel stay, safe, I feel like I have stability. Okay? But that's false. Yeah, it really is. Because, you know, creating an environment of feeling safe can also be avoiding reality. I, I, I'm safe here, but in reality, you're not. Because we, we need to become safe in growth. I, and I think growth is what makes us feel, is the ultimate safety net, because it keeps challenging us to step forward. And the more I step forward, then the more confidence I'm building in myself. Mm-hmm. And confidence that's of the world is not confidence. It's an illusion. Confidence, confidence that is of myself. Yes, right, exactly, yeah. No, we cannot count on the world out there. But how many people are doing that today? They're, they're looking outward for everything to give them the answer. I mean, and it's, it's interesting because when you do that, you don't challenge anything. You know, you and I have had this conversation about uh, – and you've asked me several times, am I going to, am I going to get the, the COVID shot? And I've told you no. I don't, I don't trust because I don't think that there is enough information out there right now, uh, data for me. Uh, so until I feel safe, mm-hmm. then I won't do it. Uh, I'm really, I tell you, the, the degree of relief that you offer for my heart and my mind, when you say that, I, it, you know, it's just <clears throat> massive because my, my, my core training is in heart sciences, in biology and in chemistry and working in genetics labs as an undergraduate doing research. And then in graduate school, getting my master's in statistical analysis and research methodology. When people out in, in, in the world and on social media and on the news, the television news, are talking about the science, 
you know, I, I've challenged a lot of people. Tell me what scientific method is. Because there is a definition of scientific method. Tell me what a paradigm is. And what do you mean a hypothesis? Is it null or not? And, and, and people don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I, I spent seven years in a graduate program where we learned how to read peer-reviewed journal articles and find the holes in the methodology, find the holes in the statistical setup and the statistical analysis. And the, and the, the garbage that gets published that should never, ever have been published is a stunning reality. People often will pick up a journal article, a journal, and go through the pages, and what they do is they read the abstract at the beginning, maybe the introduction, and then they read the discussion section, and it's the meat in the middle that makes the difference. How'd they set up the design? How'd they do the testing? What we have out here, by the way, people should be very concerned about. They should quit calling it a vaccination. It's not a vaccination. What it is is it's an experiment. It's an experimental pharmaceutical of some sort. And and the level the level of uncertainty and confusion for people all over the world, but I feel it really here in America, is, is really alarming to me. I know very few people who are in my daily life who have gotten the vaccination, but one person very close to me who went ahead and did it and who's got symptoms that I feel real concerned about. And, but, you know, it, 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 it goes back to, and what I see out there right now, mm-hmm. it's tying fear to the human life right. of what if you don't. It's creating confusion, and, and it's being sold as, here's the clarity. Oh, you still have to social distance. You still have to mask. You still have to, have to, have to, have to, have to. Really? Okay. So, you know, Richard, one of the things that I'm very concerned about for, for our well-being, for yours and mine personally, and for, for everyone moving forward, is the amount of social pressure that there is put upon everybody to do this one thing. And, and you know, group think is really different, uh, dangerous. I lost well, my I, word there for a minute. I, I want to see what the Johnson and Johnson shot is like, where it's just one shot. You know, I want to see the data to this, uh, because I've talked to so many people who, you know, someone like what you were talking about, uh, had a couple of conversations the day before yesterday, uh, was on Friday, about people who had gotten the shot, and they had felt like they were dying. Yeah. And the, the, the time it took, and then the people who have gotten the second shot, who felt worse than it did when they got the first shot. And, you know, I, 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 I think sometimes we, we don't, let me take this off the hook. We don't pay enough, uh, we don't pay enough attention to all of these different chemicals we put in the human body. You know, and, and you, you pointed me in this because you sent me videos and stuff um, about you know, the concern about what's, what is the cocktail that's in this shot. That's right. And the, the American public, um, I can't speak for medicine around the world, but I, but I know American medicine. 
and the American public, the way I mean, when I was when I was an undergraduate and I was trying to figure out if I wanted to go to medical school or or, or become a chef or become a doctor of psychology, um, I knew I could be a chef throughout my life. I looked at the curriculum, though, for being a psychologist and for being a physician. And I didn't like the curriculum of a, of a physician. I don't I didn't want to study pharmacology. I wanted to study the mind and the body. And so for me, uh, psychology offered me an opportunity and the universities that I went to afforded me the opportunity to make my own decisions about my curriculum. And I'm, I'm grateful forever to them for that. It was a little bit of a battle at times, but you know, the reality is that in medical school, physicians are trained that marketing what it is that you need to do with the patient is a huge component of being that professional. Okay, well, I understand we need to influence people when they're not feeling well to have them do things, but we also take an oath, both in, in, in psychology as well as in medicine, do no harm. And and I, I take that to great lengths every day with every every client or patient that I that I have. You're a, you're a client under normal circumstances, a patient. If I've got your medical records, I'm coordinating with your healthcare team and we're doing a review and looking at what we can do differently. But part of the other training is you don't let a patient leave your office without a prescription. Keep your prescription pad there. They want they want a cure, so give them the cure all. It's going to be a pharmaceutical. Um, that's really dangerous. And and I started as a kid saying, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. it makes me feel icky. And my parents would listen to me. And um, this routine that we're in right now, people have habituated to it, and so they think, well, wait a second. I mean, we took the polio vaccine. We took you know for measles. We took for, you know, we've been doing for the flu, for pneumonia, for all that. So this must be okay, too. Well, maybe pause and look and see what it is that's a trend and see what's different. Quit, quit, quit lumping everybody together as though, you know, they're conspiracy theorists or whatever other names people call them. The, the process of critical thinking and, and having the ability to do critical thinking skills on a daily basis is so terribly needed in our culture. You know, logic 101 from philosophy class in high school and in college is essential, and, and people aren't getting it. Well, you know, um, is, how, do I, how do I say this? How do I say this? Um, well, it raises a question within me. Do you trust yourself enough to make your own choices? Do you think most people trust themselves enough to make their own choices? No, I think that they get pressured into it. I think they use an outer voice of some influence or authority, whether it's the government, the media, or their family. Like mass hysterica? It, yes. We have mass hysteria going on all year long. Absolutely. Started in December of 2019. And still continuing? Big time. So what happens when we move into a world of mass hysterica? Well, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> My core training in social psychology <laughs> says, you know, it's a great little formula. 
social psychology is little f on the outside of a parens with p little p comma e it's a function of the person and the environment so when you've got persons in an environment completely whipped up uh it's dangerous is what it is we have danger okay. So if you take me out of my established routine in my life, yeah, do you think that I might become very emotionally reactive? Extremely. Do you think that sometimes when you take me out of my routine in my life, you also crack my foundation of trust? Completely. And when you sustain it, think about how long this has been going on. Think about how in January of 2020, the, the news flash was, oh, by March, oh, by Memorial Day, oh, by the 4th of July. Okay, well, we had a little breakout for Memorial Day because people had been cooped up for so long. It was like, you know, nothing, no, no overarching authority was going to tell people not to go out and, and barbecue and park and, and, and beach and do the things that America loves to do. But when it came to the 4th of July, they weren't fireworks. When it came to the holidays, really, seriously? Thanksgiving, Christmas? I mean, and now people are, and you and I talked about it in the show. I was very concerned about the ways that people were saying, out with 2020, goodbye, throw it away, I was sick that year. Well, I hope you learned some things in 2020 because you should never throw any day, let alone a year away. It was a part of our reality shared and individually, mind, body, and spirit. And then all we're doing with the new year is we're turning a calendar page with an artificial date assigned to it. I mean, yeah, it's mathematical and it's timely and it's historical and all that, but the earth looks the same. People haven't shifted. You don't wake up and look different because it's a new year on the calendar. So people had an expectation. And, and Richard, you and I have had this conversation before, too. The worst thing that you can do to a person is lift their hopes, let them be hopeful and inspired and then motivated as a result, and then dash it. Nothing's different. As a matter of fact, it's worse. Well, and I... I think there is, I think there's a whole bunch of social psychology being used on people today. Oh my gosh. And dangling the carrot, dangling the carrot out in front of them. That's right. And, you know, give them hope and then taking the hope away. Yep. And, you know, from the very beginning, when you and I started talking, you know, my whole thing is that I think what the byproduct of what we're doing is we're actually killing the human spirit. Yeah. We're killing motivation. Yeah. And, the more you make me uncomfortable and the more that I can't see the pathway forward and the more I'm being told right. what I have to do, right. then the less control I feel I have of my life. You know, one of the things about routine is that routine makes you feel you're in control of your life. Yeah. So take that away from me. And what you have is you have a human spirit in a mess. You know, people are people are coming um, out with all this information about what happened in New York with seniors and nursing homes and and uh, the politicians out there, Governor Cuomo for one. There's not a single thing about that man that I condone. But I'll tell you what, 
nursing homes should not even exist. They really shouldn't. The model is wrong. And I don't really care what anybody says. I lived through that. We need to keep people as we're older, as they're older, among their loved ones, in their houses, in a family home. I did it. I mean, I, I, I get to say that out loud. I'm not a hypocrite. I did it. I lived it. I changed my life trajectory to take care of people, my, my parents, because we all agreed that nursing homes are lethal environments, and indeed they are. And, and by the way, I, I pretty much kidnapped my parents out of nursing homes when they would land in the hospital and be sent into some rehab facility for a few days. And it was, it was such a, a contrived um, prescription and, and the misery and the loneliness that they felt until I arrived <clears throat> it would always take place when I was in St. Louis and I would come driving up to Chicago to come collect them and bring them home, you know, and sometimes I'd be told, you know, this is against physician orders. Good. Happy to. I think, I think a lot of this goes back to uh, our view of family. I mean, yes. you, go, you go to the far East. And uh, age is respected, and you know it's it's res- the responsibility of the children to take care of their parents. Well, now it's an expectation that you don't. We have all these different levels of senior, you know, assisted living facilities. The young lady who I go to for manicures, uh, she's from Vietnam. Yeah. And Tracy and I have a lot of very powerful conversations. I bet. And uh, she is the uh, the youngest. Of the, of the kids and you know she feels her responsibility is to take care of her parents as long as they're alive and that not to put them away because that's sometimes what a nursing home is yeah. it is a confinement it's putting the parents away one time when I went and picked up my father from the nursing home I walked down the hallway <clears throat> supposedly a, you know a, a, a rehab facility he was in the hallway, in a wheelchair, slumped down, buckled in. And I walked up to him. I mean, I had to fight the tears all the way down that hallway. And I got there, and he burst into tears, and he started crying. And he said, thank God you're here. Are you going to get me out of here? And I said, immediately. Let's go back to your room. I mean, we're out of here right now, Dad. And and as we left there, he was in the car. He was crying. My father was a substantial man, a very substantial human being. For my father to be in tears, I mean, I couldn't see the road to drive for crying out loud because his statement to me was, I thought this was my last stop. No, Daddy, never. Well, and that's what, you know, you're, you're right in a lot of respects. Nursing homes have become a place where people go to die. And we should not wonder what people really died of in the nursing homes. I don't want to hear about all the diagnoses of this virus. I want people to start recognizing there's a syndrome that is demonstrated. It starts in infancy. It absolutely takes place through life. But in seniors, it is so devastating. It's called failure to thrive syndrome. Well, it was interesting, too, because there are two things I want to make sure we get to before our time is up. We have 13 minutes. Yeah. One of them is this, and this is what Charles was saying to me this morning, and I, I thought about it, but I never put it in context, that uh, 
There is no more flu. Or colds. Yeah, it's all COVID. I know. The flu's gone. I know. You don't hear about flu. You hear about COVID. That's right. And, and the other thing is a question for you to bring this back to the uh, to behavior never lies. Uh, are you a moody person? No, not particularly. So <clears throat> you don't live with emotional ups and downs? <clears throat> I don't have a flat affect. <laughs> but when I hear the word, the term moody, Moody is somebody who is just like volatile. You never know what are you going to be greeted with. Hey, geez. Well, moody. If I define the word mood to me, it's activity in your life that you weren't prepared for. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Well, I did. (laughs) I think of moody as kind of a. A person who's out of control. I mean, it. They, they're they're unconscious about either their nutrition or their pharmaceuticals or their sleep, or they're just, um, you know, their 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 style of thinking that they have adapted to is, oh, oh, drama, drama here how and there. Of, how much of that is because you've interrupted my standard behavior? Yeah, a lot of those people don't have a standard behavior. <laughs> that is their standard behavior. Yeah. But, and then when you challenge it, then they're upset. Right. Right. I mean, but listen, there are there are dips and swells. We know that. You know, there there are things that touch our heart that, you know, I, I feel things deeply, definitely. And you know, you and I have had conversations, and I've and I've shared with you that I'd be struggling about something or something. But you know, to be able to brighten up, I mean, yeah, I'm thinking about something, and it's pulling me in a direction. But you know, I I meet with people, and I and I brighten up. You know, I get pulled out of that. I come in here and and brighten up. Of course, I have a halo light, which is wonderful. It makes me feel angelic. <laughs> Yeah, but I notice it's to the side you don't wear. It. I really need it over my head. <laughs> so, what do we do about moody people? Well, I, I think what happens, I, I think you have to understand what I think moods sometimes are created by surprises. You know, when people say that, because I have people in my life who say, I don't like any surprises, no surprises, whatever. Really? I don't, I mean, I don't like evil surprises, but I like good surprises. A surprise to me is an, it can be an energy recharge. Yeah. You know, yeah, and there are surprises we don't want. Right. But a, a, a surprise can make me feel sad or it can make me feel happy. Right. Exactly. Yes, that's right. It's not categorically, it's all surprises are bad. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I'm, I'm with you on that one. So why were you thinking about moodiness? In, in in relation to everything else that we're talking about here. Because I think what I'm seeing today is as people are taken out of their routines, that you can see it in the swing in their emotional presence of their self. People, I see people today who 
are, were very driven and very positive, but because their routine has been upset, now I don't recognize them. Oh, you recognize me? <laughs> yeah, you're easy to recognize. <laughs> I do. I do feel frustrated at how how things seem more difficult to accomplish this past year and this year. Do you see that? Well, but I think difficult comes back to taking me out of a routine that I was comfortable in. Yeah. I mean, as, as long as life is the same for most people, they're happy. Yeah, right. And that's the majority of the majority of people live trapped in their circle of sameness. And this is when they can become lackadaisical. And it's when they slip into their coma. Yeah. Their coma where they're living in a state of conscious unconsciousness. Yeah. They're conscious of the world, but they're not challenging their world. You know, one of the things that, that I, I think is kind of amazing is how many people I know who have talked about, um, and this isn't the majority of people that I know, but um, how many people have talked about their desire for they want to get it they want to get they want to get another job they want to they want to they want to go back to the routine of being out there and like nine to five you know eight to four every single day and I'm thinking I don't know that that world is coming back I agree with that and you know I I think a lot of this comes back to whether you're you're seeking a life without challenge or you're seeking a life where you're going to be challenged. I mean, entrepreneurial spirit to me is one who seeks the challenge and is willing to take the risk that the challenge presents. But and a lot of people jump into things because they're curious, not because they're committed. Right, exactly. Yeah. You can't bridge that gulf between curious <clears throat> and committed. Uh, you're not going to make it. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I um, have the conversation about entrepreneurial a lot for, you know, my lifestyle is, is one of an entrepreneur. Yours is one of an entrepreneur, right? We're both entrepreneurs and we're out here writing our passion. I got a fire in my belly about what it is I want to do with my, with my time as my, as my, as my career work. And people will say, well, is, do you think there's a difference between small business and entrepreneurship? Yeah. A small business can be that donut shop, that coffee shop, that bookkeeping job. It's beautiful. But is there a, a, a fire in the belly of the person who's doing it that they want some, some new, wonderful, unique path? They've got an invention that they've got that they need to see come into reality. Well, but, you know, living your, living your dream. Yep. And I get asked all the time, how do you know if you're living your dream? And it comes back to me three things. Yeah. I'm happy with what I'm doing with my life. Yeah. I feel fulfilled with what I'm doing with my life. And I feel free to do it. Da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> and if you're, then if you're there, that really is an entrepreneurial spirit. Because what are you doing? You're trusting in yourself. Mm-hmm. Ah, I love that you said that. Bingo. 
Absolutely. And she, <laughs> yeah, 100%. And by the way, I have to tell our audience, one of the things I love about Richard Flint and, and about working with him in here every week is that when we come in here, he is always on. He is, he is always creating another seminar, another activity, something that is new and fresh because he does trust himself to lead people. And he leads me, and I love the way he does it. So I want to invite you to go to richardflint.com. I want you to look at the Learning Center. I want you to look at the seminars that he's doing. He's got a seminar coming up on February 20th that is going to be magnificent, just like all the other ones are. And look at his website. And I'm telling you that morning minute, it's delightful. Talk about getting into consistency, having that routine. It is beautiful. Richard, what, what else do you want to add to that? What, what is it that you want to say? Uh, one of the things that I'm going to really love is our, our Friday morning question and answer time, our open mic. Yes. Our Zoom classroom. Yes. And this is really fun because what I do is every Friday uh, we put a question out. We put it out earlier in the week for people to think about. Like uh, our question for uh, this Friday is, who has had the greatest impact on your life and why? Because none of us have arrived where we are in our life without other people. And who was that one person? that brought you that special something that you needed. Mm-hmm. And I tie that into who's that one person who has created such a positive presence in your life that they remain present even if they're not present. Mm. Oh, I love and, that. You know, I think sometimes we, we forget the people who have really impacted our life. Yeah. And to me, Friday is a chance to respect those people. And then I'm going to go back and emphasize this one more time. Um, Saturday, uh, the 20th at 10 a.m., this uh, webinar on consistency uh, is one of the most powerful things I've ever done. And uh, Deb, we've, we've just finalized the dates for the Decluttering Your Clutter Retreat. Oh, I know. You uh, sent me that email. Yeah. It is beautiful. Yeah, it's going to be May 20 through 23 at the PGA Resort in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. And we're only taking 12 people. Wow. We want to stay within the the COVID guidelines and stuff like that. But, you know, you were at the one we did in Santa Fe. Yeah. And uh, when you put 12 people or 15 people together in a room of collective genius, just the the energy that's created and the insight and information. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, if you're interested in the, re- the decluttering retreat, because I think in life, clutter is the number three most destructive most, I'm sorry, it is the number one most destructive self, self-behavior that sabotages our life. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go to richardflint.com backslash retreat, uh, all the information is there now. It's just being posted. And again, we've got, uh, I think right now we've got six of our 12 already signed up. Wow. And so we've got room for six more people. Yeah. And, um, I'm so I'm excited about it. Because it is a unique opportunity with what I consider the 2% club, that only 2% of people really want to improve their life. The rest of people want to sit around and talk about what they're going to do. (laughs) That brings me back to three little words. Behavior never lies. Behavior never lies. Friends, on that note, 
keep it in your head. Behavior never lies. Get in a position where you know that you can trust yourself and do it. Do it, do it, do it. Come back and visit us any old time. We're on YouTube at Partners and Excellence Media. No apologies. So on that note, I'm going to say toodaloo to you. Have a good day.